0: This is the Story Power Marketing Show with Tom Ruwich. Make yourself comfortable and fasten your seatbelt. Tom and his guests are about to share powerful stories, trade business building insights, and have a few laughs. Tom created this podcast to help you captivate prospects and inspire them to act, so you can get more clients quickly and easily. That's what powerful storytelling is all about. That's what this podcast is all about. So let's get this party started. Here's your host, Tom Ruwich.
1: Hey, everybody, it's Tom Ruwich, and welcome to the Story Power podcast. This episode is called How to Delight Customers and Beat Back the Avenging Hordes. So, a spoiler alert, you do not need buckets of boiling oil, flaming arrows, catapults, or any other weapons of mass destruction to keep the Avenging Hordes at bay. My guest is going to dive into that with us. But as with every episode, I'm going to kick things off first with a story before I introduce the guest it's a story about revenge. A few weeks back, my wife, Melissa, and I watched an Oscar-nominated movie called Promising Young Woman. It tells the story of 30-year-old Cassie who exacts revenge on men who mistreat women. I won't give away the details. I'll say only that the movie made me cringe a little, made me laugh, and it definitely made me think. Humans are vengeful creatures. We're Taught to turn the other cheek, but that's easier said than done for many. Social media is full of people who prefer vengeance to cheek turning. People who happily lob vengeance bombs when they feel mistreated. The waitress delivered horrible service in the restaurant? Lob a vengeance bomb on Facebook. The customer service rep didn't serve you well? Tweet a vengeful takedown the shop clerk was rude, rip them a new one in a revengey blog post. Some of you, especially those who have mastered cheek turning, may think I'm judging the vengeful, but I'm not. I'm judging the service providers who forget how to serve, who mistreat customers, who are rude and dismissive, who never, ever say sorry. And I'm warning them too. You may think revenge is unseemly you may even think the vengeful are kind of unhinged but they have a bullhorn and they have a point and the point is you blew it and you didn't fix it so when a revenge bomb explodes at your feet don't blame the avenger look in the mirror soon after seeing that movie i reread a book i highly recommend called predictably irrational by dan airley i'll link to it in the show notes there's all sorts of great stuff about how human beings behave, stuff that's really valuable for marketers to know. And there's a chapter in the book called The Case for Revenge, What Makes Us Seek Justice. Early cites studies proving that humans are wired to seek vengeance. Vengeance activates the same part of our brain that lights up when we're happy. That's why cheek turning is so darn hard. But here's a fascinating point that probably won't surprise you. Mistreated people feel less vengeful when you tell them you're sorry. Just acknowledge the mistreatment. Say you're sorry. Right the wrong. The Avenger will put away the vengeance bombs and become your friend, will become your champion. I know. Look, sometimes a customer accuses you of mistreatment, but you're innocent. Sometimes. But this is about those times when you truly blew it. And those are the times when you need to clean up your mess or else. Those are the times when you only have yourself to blame and not the Avengers. So the question is, how do you clean up the mess when you create one? Or better yet, how do you keep your customers so happy that revenge is the furthest thing from their mind? In other words, how do you delight customers? And keep those avenging hordes at bay, which leads me to my guest today. When it comes to the subject of how to delight customers, how to keep avengers at bay, how to max, how to master service to maximize customer retention and grow sales, there is no person on earth—dare I say it—no person in the entire galaxy—better than Vance Morris. Vance has a great career path, from former birth control factory security guard to Disney leader to bankrupt out-of-work executive to marketing market-leading carpet cleaner to successful entrepreneur. Here are some of the specifics. Vance Morris is a Walt Disney World Resort Management alumni. He spent 10 years as a leader in the resorts before setting out on his own. He established a carpet cleaning business on the eastern shore of Maryland, where he applies customer service lessons learned from Disney to delight customers and maximize profits. He now shares those lessons with other people. Vance runs the only Disney service and direct response marketing business in the galaxy. He coaches companies to create Disney-style service systems and then monetize them through direct response marketing. Vance, welcome to the Story Power podcast. I am delighted to have you
2: here. Well, geez, Tom, I appreciate you having me on. I, I don't know if you can see me, but I am blushing now. Uh, ah, over that well, uh, Absolute incredible introduction.
1: <laughs> you got it. You got it. Here we go. Hold on one moment. I, I'm thrilled to have you here. Um, I meant every word that I said. I've learned a ton from you, and uh, your emails, your books, your your coaching program. It's so so valuable. And and you know, we were talking a little bit before I brought you aboard, and we were talking about the fact that yeah, you teach people how to delight customers and how to keep how to keep those avenging hordes at bay. You've been on the other side of the coin, though. You have been that customer who feels mistreated, and you've you've been known to lob a bomb or two. There was a case of you going with your family to a fancy high-priced hotel, and uh, things didn't quite turn out as you expected. Tell that story, and uh, it, it's a great example of what we're talking about.
2: Yeah, you know, and the thing is, is that, you know, customer service or client experience has gotten so bad that it's near impossible not to just trip over these stories. Uh, they're <laughs> everywhere. Um, yeah, a couple of Thanksgivings ago, uh, I took the family to a uh, this resort uh, here near Washington, D.C., trying to get away from it all. So it was the first time we didn't cook Thanksgiving dinner, no family, just just the four of us. And this is a, you know, high-end hotel and they knew that thanksgiving was going to be busy when we went to check in it was absolute mayhem in the lobby they had 14 stations for at the at the uh, front desk where you check in only 3 had human beings behind them trying to check people in um and i it was just absolutely amazing so we you know i'm standing in line um i Actually, my wife, this is how long I was in line. My wife went and got me a beer, gave it to me in line. I finished that beer. She came back and she took orders, not only for me, but the guy behind me and his wife who were standing. So it was a two beer wait just to get checked in. The poor guy who was doing the check-in had one of those training badges on. So I immediately felt a little bit of sympathy. Uh, not much, but a little bit. And I was, is there a manager here? Is there anybody with some kind of juice, some kind of authority that could put a few more people out? You know that it's not like these people just appeared out of nowhere. They had reservations. They knew when they were checking in. How could you possibly not be prepared for it? The tri- After the check-in experience, it just went downhill uh, you know, from there. My wife and I went to, uh, I don't want you guys to think that we're a bunch of boozers, but we went to, uh, you know, uh, a restaurant and lounge inside the hotel, and my wife and I each ordered a beer, and the server brought uh, the beers over, and mine was, it was a draft, so it was already in a glass. She brought the beer over uh, for my wife, plunked it down, still had the cap on. I'm like, no twist off either. So, I, you know, I said, you know, it's been a long, long weekend. Um, so I did the old college, you know, put the bottle on the edge of the table and whack the top of it. Um, it. It was just one of those. And it, the, the really sad thing was, is that there was, so, this was, these were just two examples of a trip. The whole trip was a disaster. We had a great yeah. time as a family because we got to laugh about it. But, you know, we would never go back to this place. The most horrible thing though was, is that, you know, they send you a survey at the end of your trip and I told them exactly how the trip went. Did not get a reply, not a a one. And that is, if you're going to, here's lesson, big lesson here for everybody. If you are going to survey your clients, you better be prepared to act on the information that's being uh, sent to you. You can't just, uh, you know, oh, we're taking a survey and then everything goes into the void. No, you need to take that information and really dive in on an individual granular level and see what happened. Because for every one person that complains, studies have shown that there are anywhere between 20 and 25 others who don't complain. So if I was one, there was 25
1: I have a great story about, about that because when you survey your clients, you're implying, if not explicitly promising that you're going to respond, you're going to act, you're going to listen. And when you don't respond, you're breaking a promise. And, and the, the customer uh, feels as if they're taken for granted, especially that customer who had something negative to, to point out perhaps constructive, perhaps angry. But um, when back in the early days of the internet, there were a bunch of businesses that uh, got into the online pharmacy business, drugstore.com and and others. And I heard a story from a guy who who logged in, joined one of those sites. And this was, again, the early days of the internet. And so uh, they hadn't learned this idea that, you know, Three-page registration forms probably suppress uh, suppress signups. There was a long, long form. They were asking health history, what are your allergies, blah, 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 all just in order to have access to the discounts that come with this online drugstore. Well, this guy, um, one of the things that he said he was allergic to was aspirin. He had an uh, aspirin allergy, and he checked the box, allergic to aspirin. Next day, he logs in after spending 20 minutes filling out this form to uh, drugsite.com, whatever it was. It, I don't know which one. And right there, plop at the top of the site was discount on Anacin aspirin. He was like, huh, am I logged in or not? Yes, I'm logged in. Me, the allergic to aspirin guy, I'm logged in. Well, surely they'll say something when I get to the shopping cart. Be careful, you're allergic to this. Um, But no. And so he got it all the way to the shopping cart, and they would have let him buy this poison, and he wrote to them a note that said, hey, you got a problem here. You made me spend all this time telling you all this stuff. The implied promise is you're going to use that information to my benefit and then what happened is you didn't use it you were going to let me poison myself and and you know you might want to fix that crickets no response no <laughs> so yep. you know it 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 just goes on and on now you you described your story at the hotel as a two beer line i also think it was a to facebook post line right you <laughs> so tell that part of it because that goes back to what we're talking about the the angry hordes and 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 you had a bullhorn and you used it at that moment right. so and and, uh, and
2: that's you know we love it or hate it you know social media is is everybody's chance to have a big megaphone. Uh, some people's audiences are bigger than others, but uh, you know, I had the opportunity to. They had the opportunity to correct things even after I did the posts. I mean, I have even had pictures, um, and it was it just amazed me that there was no response. I mean, we hashtagged the hotel, the company. They had to have seen it. Um, but uh, they did not uh, not one stinking reply from anybody
1: yeah yep yeah. and, and and there was a hidden nugget in what you said when you were describing this scene at the hotel you said surely they could have been prepared and so preparation let's talk about preparation and systems for a moment let's let's talk about how businesses can avoid these messes in the first place, and then if they do have a mess, what they can do to fix it. So, preparation.
2: Yeah, well, you know, preparation, especially in a business where you know when your business is going to hit, um, you know, that's the time to get your stuff in a row, your ducks in a row, and be prepared for the onslaught of business, whether it's a online business. I mean, do you have the right size server so that your website doesn't crash when you run a flash sale? Uh, you know, is your restaurant ready when, you know, the hordes of people come in for your Sunday special? Um, you know that these things are going to happen. So to not prepare for them is is almost criminal. And I wonder why you would be in business to begin with. Um, right. But the training part of it and the systems part of it, you know, Let's go back to the, uh, you know, make sure that these hordes of people aren't, you know, completely bad mouthing you. A lot of it comes down to your client recovery systems. Do you actually have a process in place that your employees know and can react to when there is a problem with a client? You see, problems, if you think about problems like a wound, problems over time, not addressed, become worse. The problem festers. Same thing with a wound. I mean, you get a cut on your finger, you know, if you take care of it, a little Neosporin and a Band-Aid, you know, a couple of days, you're fine. But if you let that thing go, you rub a little dirt in it, you know, now it's infected, it hurts, maybe you gotta go to the hospital, and then it gets gangrene, and then they gotta lop off your finger. The problem is the same thing. The longer period of time before it's addressed, the worse it is, and the more difficult it will be to compensate the person who is inconvenienced and/or apologize or make it right. So if your line level employees know what to do when somebody is upset, your line level employee can stop the complaint right there, take care of and satisfy the customer, and It'd be like there was no problem at all. Oh my gosh, you know, Mr. Jones, I'm sorry, the doctor is running 15 minutes behind. I know it's an inconvenience. Here's a $5 Starbucks gift card for your inconvenience. Poof. Yeah. That person even acknowledged the problem before the patient complained. That's, there's the magic, is knowing that something is going wrong and correcting it before the client or patient complaints. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. And, and how,
1: you know, raise your hand out there. If you've ever experienced uh, a brewing customer service headache, and you say to the person you're dealing with the clerk at the hotel desk or the person on the phone, Hey, I, I have a problem here. Can you help me? And they throw their hands up. And say, "Oh, I'll have to talk to my manager." Or, "No, I, you know, there's nothing I can do." Sorry. And that's the antithesis of what you're talking about: putting systems in place, empowering people to solve problems with systems that they, you know, they don't have to think, they don't have to make the hard decisions if you put the right systems and the right training in place. And so many businesses neglect that, fail. Yeah,
0: you know,
2: and and it's. It's seemingly simple. And I, I'd say this is not complex and does not need to be. I'll give you a quick example. Uh, I mentioned I, I got a new car a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. And um, last week I had some accessories installed. And yesterday I went to take it to have a ceramic coating put on the paint job just to protect it. Um, well, the guy who's doing the ceramic coating couldn't find the key for the lug nuts. Well, <laughs> The idiots at the uh, dealership never gave me a key. Now, thank goodness it was just them needing a key so that they could put this coating on. But what if I was at midnight in the middle of Idaho in a snowstorm and I got a flat tire and I can't find the flipping key? You know, so I'm trying to talk to the customer service rep. I'm like, look, you guys didn't give me a key. You will never believe what this woman said to me. She said, you need to bring your car into us so that we can look for the key. I'm like, "Are you, you think I'm a moron? I don't know how to look for a key. And she said it twice. And I said, look, is there somebody there who I can talk to that has the authority to be able to solve this issue? No, my manager's gone home for the day. Okay. Does your manager have a cell phone? No, I'm not allowed to give the number out. I don't want the number. I want you to call the number. Well, I don't know what it is. I said, is there anybody in your entire building in the dealership that would have this leader, this manager's cell phone number that you could call? No, I don't think so. Click. Yeah. Oh no, wow. No system. That? No
1: system, no process. Systems, I, you know, yeah. I worked years ago with a guy who runs several who who ran several taco bell uh restaurants he he had uh, 50 or so here in the st louis area and he was way ahead of the curve in internet marketing in customer service and so he had a mailing list with some fifty thousand people and really those people signed up for the, the mailing list so, so that they could get a coupon for a free taco that's pretty much it but what he did is he would survey them regularly and standard fare, one to five scale, how was the food, how was the service, how was the ambiance, all that kind of stuff. And he would personally email, it was a system that he had in place, field the survey responses and anybody who responded to any survey with a three or less, he would email them and he would engage them directly, Talk to them. What can we do to make it better? Send them a bigger coupon. Fix the problem. Hold the avenging hordes at yep. bay. And it, it it wasn't rocket science. It was right. a very simple system. But he built it into his business process. He carved out the time. He could have delegated it to someone. Also, by the way, um, but he wanted to. He wanted to do it. And his business thrived as a result talk to me about i know the story of you going to a restaurant uh at disney i believe it was where um friend of yours or maybe it was in orlando when you were down there uh one of your clients uh got the wrong food delivered to the table <laughs> uh, how that how'd that go down
2: Oh my goodness yeah so I um, you know, as you know I do uh, tours and boot camps down in Orlando at Walt Disney World and I had my clients with me um, I always take them out for a nice dinner before the boot camp so we went to uh, this really really cool I mean the entertainments spectacular um, it's not a Disney restaurant but it is on Disney property. And um, my, uh, you know, we had all ordered and uh, the son of my client um, had ordered uh, something um, and they were uh, Jewish. So they ordered something, you know, that was that was kosher, you know, no pork. Well, um, when our meals came out, he got a rack of ribs <laughs> and the server, you know, said, yeah, OK, here's all your meals. And the guy is like, excuse me, I don't I didn't order this. And the server looked at his pad and said, Yes, you did. And the guy's like, No, 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 no. I don't eat pork. I'm kosher. And the guy looked like he had lost his mind and didn't know what to do. And so we finally got a manager over there, and the manager straightened everything out, brought us drinks, got us a nice table over by, uh, you know, where the entertainment was happening, et cetera. But if we hadn't said anything, One, my, you know, we would have ended up paying for a meal that we didn't order. My guy would have been, you know, hungry because he couldn't eat the ribs. Just, uh, you know, telling your customer that, hey, you're wrong, even if they are wrong, is not something that's going to endear you in the hearts of your clients and keep them coming back. Certainly not. And, you know, we go back to process and why we do these things, you know, the immediate thing, if they had a process, if somebody complains, you know, you follow the what I call the last principle, L-A-S-T. You listen, okay, what's the problem? You apologize, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry we brought you the wrong meal, uh, let me get, um, you know, let me get, get you something else or get you the correct thing, which is the S is solve, and then the T is thank. So listen to the problem, apologize. You're not apologizing that you made a mistake or that there, you know, that you're admitting fault. You're just apologizing for the fact that this mistake happened. Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry this happened to you. How can I fix it? And then thanks so much for bringing it to our attention. This is the only way, you know, we get feedback and we can, um, you know, make sure it doesn't happen again in the future. But lying level employees are just not taught this. Actually, I get a lot of managers have not taught this either. Yeah. Um, and I want to go back to your, the uh, surveys and the reviews. You know, these days, again, all of this stuff is online. You got your Google stars, you got your Yelp reviews, Facebook. Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody and their mother's got a review site near impossible to keep up with it all. However, you can automate your reviews online by, if you send out, Um, an email, if you have a, a, a software system or a CRM, you can actually send out emails and have people do the review on your website. So give you the five stars, four stars, type it in, and then there's a button to click and it'll send it to Google. But if it's not such a great review, if it's, as you said, three or less stars, instead of seeing the button to go to Google, It's a submit button, and the boss gets, or whoever's been appointed to it, the boss gets the email with the survey information on it. So you've now kind of intercepted the problem, but going to your point, you got to do something with it.
1: Yeah, you got to do something with it. We have all experienced this where where we offer feedback in their crickets and uh, i'll ask you vance what what happens with you and your clients and that restaurant if the waiter says dude you didn't know you did order the ribs tough tough luck you got the ribs i'm charging you for it and if the manager didn't
2: fix it are you going to that restaurant again Never gone to the restaurant, and I'm lobbing one of those bombs that you talked about earlier. I'm getting my boiling oil and my arrows out, and we're going to have some fun. Yeah, and instead, you've
1: told the story, and uh, I think you told the story in an email that I got from you recently, Mm -hmm. and in that story, you talked about what a great restaurant it is, and the punchline of the story was they, they really... They stood up. They solved the problem. They did it the way that you should do it. Everybody makes mistakes. No. Waiters make mistakes. But acknowledging the mistake, having a plan, getting the manager over there, fixing it, free drinks, um, not charging you for the re- for whatever it was he ordered, all of those things delight you, make you actually... Talk about that restaurant as as a place that you want to go to. You know, in Story Power Marketing, we talk all the time about the fact that your story is the journey that you take your prospects on. That's your business story. Where where are they going? Where do you take them? And if you take them from frustration to rage, you know, that story is going to get out there. And that's going to be the story that people hear. And they're going to be telling people, I don't want to, I'm never going to that place again. And people are going to listen and not go either. But when the story is, I took my, my clients from frustration to satisfaction and delight, I listened, I paid attention, I served them, people forgive mistakes. People are happy to, to you know, uh, uh, they'll refer you if you fix problem right.
2: Well, you know, and the thing with, you know, the, you know, the, the way the restaurant took care of it is we probably had a better time. We had a better experience because of the problem that then engaged the manager in order to give us, you know, I mean, yeah, it's nice to get a round of drinks, but I mean, to be shown a VIP status like they, we were still sitting in the dining room. He went out, and as soon as the table in the entertainment area opened up, he put a big reserved sign on it for us. Beautiful. Um, yeah. And so he made a big deal out of taking care of and treating us like royalty. Had the problem never occurred, we would have just left and said, "Yeah, it was a good dinner." Yeah. You no. Know, yeah. Entertainment was cool. But now, because the manager was so on his game, knowing how important it is for repeat um, and returning clients, he did the right thing. And he ensured that I would go out and tell people about the issues, tell people about the experience and how wonderful it was. My client at the end of it was like, man, that was great. Did you script this? (laughs) No, no. And this is completely real. (laughs) So uh, so, yeah, I mean, problems are your opportunity to make the experience so much better that if the problem never happened to begin with.
1: Yeah. And going back to a key lesson, having a having a system and having a process, the the waiter knowing that, okay, wait a minute, I have a problem here. I'm not sure how to solve it. Let's get the manager involved and a manager who's been trained to defuse the bomb. That's. That's key. It doesn't happen. They're not conjuring up these responses, uh, on the fly without training. They, they put the process in place to begin with. And that's, that's just a, a key lesson. I had a client, uh, restaurant, they were mostly bar for bar food, burgers, wings, so forth, but they also had steak on the menu. Didn't sell a lot of them, but you know, you could get yourself a strip steak. And at some point, the manager took the strip steak off the off the menu because uh, the supplier had raised the price and reduced the size and he just felt like it wasn't worth it anymore and so the thing just disappeared from the menu this guy also surveyed his clients and he came to me after he'd run a round of surveys and he said hey tom I had three customers in the survey complaining about the fact that the steak was gone. I didn't think anybody would even notice, but I had three customers complain that the steak was gone. What should I do? And my response was send out an email or contact them directly and explain why the steak's off the menu. At least answer the question. Don't let it go unanswered. We were talking about that just a moment ago and, and, He then came back to me a week later and he said, you know, Tom, after I got those three responses and realized that customers were concerned about this, I went in to talk to my other supplier and I realized that I could get a steak that was actually an ounce bigger than the old one and was the same price as the old price. And so I was able to write to the customers that problem solved where we actually have the thing back on the menu. I heard you, I'm listening, I care about you. And the responses he got back, he actually put that out in his newsletter, not just to the three people. This happened, this is what I did. I listened, here's how I responded. He got dozens of replies to that email newsletter saying, I never even noticed that the steak was gone from the menu, but man, that's so awesome that you did that.
2: I really, you know, I'm gonna tell people about you. There it is, right? Well, that's the key thing. You've got to communicate. You know, if people don't know you did something good. You might as well not done anything at all. (laughs) You know, you've got to at some point, you got to toot your own horn and say, hey, yep, we heard you loud and clear. And here's what we're doing about it.
1: Yeah. Awesome. So you run a great carpet cleaning business that you apply all of these principles to. And and you run a good a good show, but mistakes get made. issues happen. Can you share a story of something that happened and how you kept those avenging hordes at bay?
2: Sure and, when, and this goes back to having systems and it wasn't even something right. that I had to do. One of my technicians were, you know were out on the road and he was running late. Well, he knows that if he's going to be running late, he needs to call the client and say, hey, I'm running behind. The job before me is taking a little bit longer. I find there's traffic or whatever. You just let that client know it's a common courtesy. But when he did that, the client just kind of went off the deep end. Oh my God, I scheduled the whole day. You know, so, I mean, really going bonkers on him. He knew that if the client accepted his apology and just said yeah okay you know and just get here when you know when you can get here that he would do you know he would offer um, you know like a free chair or um, you know a free room of carpet cleaning just because we were late if the client is really mad he knows especially if it's a woman that he stops at the local grocery store or florist he buys a little bouquet of flowers and he shows up at the front door with the flowers as an apology. That's the system. Now, how can you be mad at a guy when he's standing there handing, you know, handing you a bunch of daffodils or daisies or whatever it is that you bought? You yeah. can't. And you're blown away. I mean, all of us have contractors that come to our homes to do work. Yeah. They are always late. You know, I mean around here, you know, we're on what's called Eastern shore time. Okay. This is the little part of Maryland that's attached to Delaware. Eastern shore time is the contractor will say, yeah, we'll be there Monday, but they don't (laughs) tell you which Monday it is. So I know that again, I said earlier, the bar is set very low for client experience. You don't have to do much to get above it. I guarantee you there is not another contractor in my area that's stopping to buy flowers when they're running behind. Yeah.
1: I've had contractors who are running behind show up with the Starbucks coffee cup. There you go. I was running behind, but not so behind that I skipped my trip to Starbucks. Yeah, exactly. No no, no apology. No, no flowers. No nothing. Oh, the coffee
2: wasn't for the client. The coffee was actually for the guy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my Lord.
1: Sipping on a good (laughs) hot cup of coffee. I stopped at Starbucks. I'm late, but you know had to had to go through the drive through line at starbucks and there is an example of frustration you know the story now is frustration transforming to rage i was pissed and and you know your your story is one of frustration and anger turning to delight and that woman not only is she happy with you but What's she telling her husband that night? What is she telling her friends? You'll never guess what happened to me. And now the story of your business is the story of, hey, this business treats me beautifully. They care. They listen. They don't, you know, if there's a problem, they fix it.
2: You know, and a lot of people ask, you know, well, why should I do all this? You know, Mm -hmm. well, there is. I mean, I don't do this just for poops and giggles and make myself feel good. You know, right. this is a business. And, you know, one of the most expensive things, aside from like your rent or your payroll, is the acquisition of a new client. It's extremely expensive. Yep. And I mean, in my carpet business, it costs me about $65, $67 to get one new client in the front door. That's what right. I got to spend to get them to come in. Once I have them, it costs me $14 a year to keep them. Now, why wouldn't I send my guy to spend another 15 or 20 bucks for that client to stay with us forever? Yeah. I mean, there's no reason not to because the I mean, you got to look at the finances. You got to look at your profitability. You yeah. know, investing another 20 bucks, All right, so now we've invested $85 into this client. Great. You still have the client. And now they even possibly could be an evangelist for your for your business. There it is, right?
1: You know, you, you're you're talking about the cost of fourteen dollars to retain the client, but let's now factor in upselling. They're going to spend more over time if they're happy. They're going to be an evangelist, telling others. So you're now reducing your cost of customer acquisition when you delight your customers. there, there is so much business building energy that comes from everything that you're talking about that's why it's just so 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 critical so i'm thrilled that we were able to have this conversation share some of these stories and and now why don't you tell my audience where they can find you the books that they can uh buy how they can uh sign up for your email list and all that stuff where can they sure. uh, where can they get a little taste of uh, vance morris and systematic magic <laughs>
2: Yeah, the best place is at our website, which is deliverservicenow.com. There is a great uh, tool that you can download. Um, It's kind of my book is called Systematic Magic, Seven Magic Keys to Disneyfy Any Business. The download is kind of the cliff note version of the book. So there is actionable stuff in there that you can take to immediately start you know, increasing the level of your experience, learn a few things on client recovery, um, and really get yourself and um, separating your business from all of the other commodity businesses out there. So, website's really the best place. Uh, DeliverServiceNow.com, and that will certainly get people started on the journey. Yeah, awesome.
1: I'm I'm on your mailing list. I've bought your books. Uh, spend time on the site. Go go down all the all the rabbit holes and and. Uh, it'll pay. Uh, It doesn't matter what business you're in. This is really valuable and really important stuff. So Vance, thanks so much for spending time with me. I love the stories and uh, I really had a blast. Thanks. Great, Tom. Thanks so much for having me on. I appreciate it. You got it.
0: Thanks for listening to the Story Power Marketing Show with Tom Ruich. If you liked what you heard today, visit storypowermarketing.com resources, where you can sign up for Tom's entertaining, informative, must-read emails. Download free business-building resources and discover other opportunities to help you harness the power of storytelling. That's storypowermarketing.com resources to help you captivate prospects, inspire them to act, and grow your business with greater ease and joy. Also, please remember to subscribe to the Story Power Marketing Show with Tom Ruich and review it on iTunes or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.